You've arrived at the Talent Destination, a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. If you hang around and listen, you'll experience what it's like to work at Refine Labs and learn effective strategies to create the conditions for people to do the best work of their lives. Now to this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Megan Bowen, Chief Operating Officer at Refine Labs, and I am joined today by my fearless co-host. Hello, hello. This is Jessica Williams. I am the Vice President of People at Refine Labs. I'm really excited about the episode today. We had an episode recently on employer branding with Jason Jones, our Director of Employer Branding. But today we have a special guest and we're going to talk about not only employer branding, but leveraging relationships and social media to really build an authentic brand and attract top talent into your company. But we're also going to start to talk about beyond that piece, how important employee engagement culture, what happens after people join your company and how important that is and fueling that flywheel. So I'm really excited today. And Jessica, I think you're going to introduce our special guest. I am. So today we are joined by a special guest and friend to Refine Labs, Cameron Brain. Cameron is the co-founder and CEO of Everyone Social, a company changing the way their clients transform employees into an authentic influencers. Cameron, welcome to the Talent Destination Pie class. We are so happy you're here. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Megan. Everyone Social is actually a customer of Refine Labs. We were just talking about this uh, before we hit record. And so not only are we excited to highlight the great work that Everyone Social is doing, but Cameron has a ton of expertise in this particular topic. And so before we kind of get into some of our main discussion points, Cameron, Please share a little bit more about yourself, everyone's social, kind of what your mission and vision is. I know everyone's excited to hear about it. Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for having us. It's fun to be one of the first kind of external guests, uh, customer guests on the podcast. And yeah, Everyone Social is uh, a company I started a good number of years ago and had the opportunity to work with a number of folks on our team over almost that entire period. Our focus is on helping companies turn their employees into social media influencers, which, you know, I think people have kind of a variety of views as to what influencer means. Uh, We primarily work with B2B organizations, companies from, you know, the size of Refine Labs all the way up to, we have a couple of clients with over a million employees. Our view is really twofold, that really the future of marketing, but especially the future of social is about the individual right? Everyone that we want to talk to from a hiring prospect to a customer prospect to a partner, whatever, they're all on social. And unlike traditional marketing channels, there's all sorts of ways to connect with them. We can engage with their content, we can message them, we can reach out, we can connect, etc. And really the thing that keeps us most excited about everyone social and where we're going is that being an influencer isn't something that's like limited to executives or even to people whose role is really dependent upon them connecting and engaging with people outside the company. Everyone in this day and age has a network. You know, we, it's kind of our own little internal cliche from the intern to the CEO, right? And we are all self-interested in growing that network because we all know that regardless of our companies, you know, put everyone social in place or not, our network relates to how successful we're going to be in our current role. It creates our future opportunities and it's all about the people. So that's a little bit on us. 
I have one quick question. What is an influencer? I was just going to go there, Jessica. (laughs) What am I going to do to be an influencer? (laughs) You are an influencer, Jessica. (laughs) Influencer has kind of, I think it can have a bad rap though, right? Totally. And it can also have some negative connotations. So when you say that, what do you mean? Like define it on your terms. Well, I think uh, Refine Labs is no uh, stranger to this. I think First of all, within our market, most would have a reference to us as an employee advocacy platform. Mm. You know, that 10 plus years ago, when we launched Everyone Social, there weren't any other players in the market and it was a new thing. And so we kind of had to figure out, you know, what are we going to call this thing? We kind of know who we're going to work with. We're going to go and talk with, you know, marketers, in particular, those who are involved with social media, but it's not what they would think of as social media marketing. So what is it? And I think the best we could come up with was employee advocacy. We always disliked it. Unfortunately, it kind of stuck. And one of the interesting things about our business, and you may you may see this refine, with Refine as well, we have just remarkable customers. I mean, two of the top three largest organizations in the world one of the largest social networks uh, uses us actually primarily for employer branding and recruiting mm-hmm. and all sorts of other amazing, super high growth, very recognizable organizations. And their teams just get it, right? And for most of the history of our business, we've only really worked with people who kind of showed up on our doorstep and said, you don't need to sell us. We already know that we need this thing. Now let's start to work together and make this happen. But I think in reality, that represents like the very, very small portion of the overall marketing world and market, because there are tons of businesses out there that I know would benefit just as greatly as any one of our clients. They just haven't really kind of reached that understanding or that you know shared vision themselves. And so part of why we wanted to start to talk about what we do as influencers is, you know, first of all, everyone is an influencer, right? Like, how did you get your job? What do you have to do? during any given day to work with folks on an internal basis, work with folks on an extra, all of this is influence. And again, from kind of a social media perspective, everyone has a network. And so, yes, I would in no way, shape or form refer to myself, or I don't think anyone on our team is like a consumer influencer, right? We're not trying to get free breakfast in hotel rooms or whatever, but- uh, The next Gary V. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember when Gary was, you know, wine TV or whatever, not some, you know, social media celebrity or whatever. But I think the point, part of the why we're frankly kind of testing this out is it creates a reaction, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's something that, even if you're like, I hate influencers or like, ah, I have such a dim view of them. We all kind of understand what it's about, mm-hmm. which is a network, leveraging the value of that network, putting yourself out there, sharing a message. And, you know, in our view, that's something that, again, I, I think as we wind the clock forward five plus years, influencer as a category may not go away, especially as it relates to B2C, but especially in the B2B world where we're talking about you trying to land a client for refine, there's X number of people involved in that prospect. There's a process, there's a cycle, et cetera. Yep. Everyone you know, is involved on an influencer basis in those types of transactions. Cameron, I want to ask you about your actual company. So at Refine Labs, we started this talent destination podcast to essentially talk about the things that we believe people should be considering in building their own company. And we try to lead by example, both with how we're building our company, but also, of course, how we do our own marketing and how we're growing our company mm-hmm. and how that translates into supporting our customers. 
you are in kind of an interesting position as well, where the company you lead has an opportunity to lead by example on what you want your customers to be adopting and the initiatives that you want them to be adopting your technology for one of them. So how do you think about that? And I'd love to know a little bit more about the internal workings of your company and how you guys kind of live the values and try to lead by example and what you want your customers and prospective customers to ultimately adopt. Yeah, I mean, I think it's ever-changing. One of the most exciting things about at least our business, you know, which is really kind of the only business that I have a detailed view into right now is many of our customers are way ahead of us, you know, on any different (laughs) angle in terms of how they leverage our product for employer branding, recruiting, for sales, for comms, for marketing. Many of our clients are many, many multiples larger than us as an organization. I think for us, I'll tell you one of the takeaways that I've personally had over the last year in terms of how we use our own product, how we think about our own people as influencers as it relates to our business objectives. Recruiting employer branding was really one of the most immediate impact things we've done in terms of using our own product, sharing content and stories around our open job postings, what it's like to work here, who are the people on our team, those sorts of things like Again, we weren't, some of our clients literally are trying to hire tens of thousands of people over the next, you know, 24, 36 months. We were a fraction of that, but at the same time, it was really important that we filled some of these roles as quickly as possible with the highest level folks we could reach. People who really wanted to be here and, you know, shared our values and kind of met all of our internal filter requirements. And that proved to be something that was, again, just, it was really interesting to see how effective our own team's use of our product to share this content and stories really helped to drive that. But, you know, on other fronts, honestly, like we didn't develop our product for use by sales teams. It was our customers that took us there. That's been one of our top use cases now for the last few years. We think there's, you know, tremendous room to grow within that area. We're really excited to work with our customers on some of the things we're doing on the product side. And then we have these kind of outliers like, outlier just from kind of a exception as opposed to the rule. T-Mobile is a client. When we first started working with them, they said, don't talk to us about sales or recruiting. We're going to everyone day one. (laughs) And they take a very specific and thoughtful approach to how they activate and encourage their people to serve as influencers. And in their case, they went not only HQ, but everyone in retail and everyone in customer care right off the gate. So We've learned a tremendous amount from them. Other clients have learned from them. We have others in more regulated spaces that approach things in a unique way. But I guess long and the short is like, we do some things that I think are unique to our business, but on the whole, we learn just a tremendous amount from our customers. And that's kind of been one of our priorities is to build tools that allow people to go out there and create and do things that we're not sitting in a room here trying to preconceive, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Jessica, I'm going to let you jump in right after this. I want to sneak in one more question. So I want to dig in a little bit more into the term employer branding. I think in our journey that we've had at Refine Labs, the truth is I've seen employer branding done well. And I've seen employer branding and employee advocacy or employee influencing, I'm using air quotes, (laughs) also done not so well, right? And so I think there's also kind of some misconceptions. They're like, oh yeah, employer branding. I'm going to share my latest press release on LinkedIn. I'm going to tell the world that I just posted a new job opening. And people think that's like checking the box. And I know here at Refine Labs, we have a much 
broader sense of what that really means. And you've alluded to it as you've described what you guys do, right? It's about how do you create content that people want to know about? And how do you distribute that content in a place where people are already spending their time so that you're driving awareness for your company, your brand, your product, your market, whatever you're doing? I'd love to get your take on this and would love to get a couple of examples from your perspective on employer branding done right, employer branding done wrong. <laughs> dun, dun, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. So I think at the root of everything, probably most things in business, but in particular with our business, we're, we're going to companies and saying, your people need, need to use social media at work and you need to be cool with that. <laughs> it comes down to trust. Yeah. There's a lot of suppression there, actually. Oh, yeah. A lot of people tell their team not to post, right? Have you seen that too? Right. There's policies against yeah. it, HR. Yeah. <laughs> those, are the co- those are the companies we probably don't have as clients right now. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's part of why we probably don't see many, many more companies rolling out an employee advocacy or an employee influencer program. And what I would say is, in order to be successful, you've got to have trust in your people. And I think that's something that hopefully all of us could agree to. Certainly any senior level executive should agree with that statement. I'll say a couple things. Once upon a time, I was on the team at Reddit when a number of years ago, the team was very, very small. And so I kind of got to see from the inside a large kind of social network. I know Reddit probably technically isn't really a social network, but a social community. And Reddit's got all sorts of stuff going on, as we all know. And being on the team, you know, afforded me and everyone else kind of an inside view of the good, the bad, the ugly stuff that people will never be aware of on an outside basis. And I came away from that. And actually, I came back to Everyone Social. I'd already worked on Everyone Social for a few years. I came back and took over as CEO, primarily because I still just, you know, believed so much in this business. And we've never had a client who has had a negative outcome from activating their employees early on. And I'm sure there are folks that we're just not talking to that would ask the same question. But early on, you know, we get questions from executives like, what if someone posts something that they shouldn't, right? What if they post something that reflects poorly on the business? And I think the fact of the matter is that as professionals, we are all good actors because what happens if you post something bad on LinkedIn? First of all, it's attached to your name you're going to look like a total idiot in front of your coworkers, right? (laughs) You're limiting your own opportunities and mobility within your organization. You're limiting your future opportunities. And so I think there's this great check and balance at play as it relates to, because we're all self-interested in doing better and more and progressing in our careers and so forth. But to the core of your question around like, you know, good, bad, my view at this point is everything is good. (laughs) No press is bad press. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? We all have to learn and grow, you know? Like, I don't, I don't have all the answers. There are people on my team that are, as it relates to conveying our message or our vision, have better ideas than I do as it relates to, you know, any particular thing. And I, I think the thing, that, the thing that our customers recognize and the most successful ones, you know, amongst our customers are that okay, if we trust our people, if we trust they're not going to do something that overtly uh, reflects negatively on them or our business, then let's get in the game, right? Think of how many businesses there are out there where people simply aren't even sharing job postings to their networks. And by the way, you know, from a data perspective, people love job postings. It's one of our most engaged 
types of content, right? I mean, it's literally someone at Refine or another business saying like, hey, here's an opportunity that, yeah. that I have a connection to, right? Like maybe you're looking for something new. Maybe you're just simply looking for work. I think certainly as you get specialized in any particular area, there, there become kind of best practices and strategies and things. But I still think for the vast majority of businesses, we're kind of at the zero to one moment, right? It's like, you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So let's give the people some tools and get in the game and we can learn and improve from there. But at the foundation, there needs to be trust. Yeah. I think we definitely have that here at Refine Labs. We trust. So I'll tell you a funny story that I've said before is that when I was interviewing to work at Refine Labs, I went on LinkedIn as one does and I found all the employees and like looked at all their content. And I literally thought, are they being paid to write this? Like, is this a requirement? I literally thought, is this a job requirement that I'm going to have to post? Mind you, at the time I was already posting, I wasn't posting so frequently, but that's what I thought when I went and looked at all of our employees because they were all so engaged on LinkedIn. And this has come full circle. I recently had a conversation where somebody said, oh, don't you guys have like 500 employees? And I said, no, what would make you think that? And she exactly. said, oh, I exactly. see your labs all over my feed. I assumed you guys had like 500 people. I was like, no, nah, I'm closer to 100. You know, so it was just an interesting conversation, but... I think the great thing that we do at Refine Labs is we really do dominate letting people say what they need to say. And to your point, most of the content is about what we're doing. So it's not like we're intentionally selling, but our team is talking about what we're doing. So it, it feeds right into what you're saying. Cameron, I respect your point of view around like, we got to get people from zero to one, right? So if you're doing nothing, yes, posting a job posting is a good first step. I think the crux of what I see and like my strong perspective on this is if you have the right mindset, you will be wildly more successful than if you have the wrong mindset. And the right mindset is how can I communicate information that will be received by the audience that I want to receive it? And it's not about what I want. So like in my opinion, if I'm going to do a job posting, hey, come work with me. I'm a rock star. And we're looking for like the next coolest person to join us. Here's the job posting. Inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. But let me say, another way to go about it is to take that job posting and say, hey, here are five reasons why you should not apply to work at this company and list off some reasons that clearly articulate your company values, your vision and your mission, the key components of what the role actually is about, and then share that job posting with it. And you're including that information not to promote your company or yourself, but to provide more context and information so that the job posting is going to resonate with the right people and actually drive the inbound interest that you're looking for to meet whatever recruiting objective or sales objective that you have, right? So maybe good and bad was sort of the wrong way to frame up that question. And it's more about how are you thinking about putting out this content so it's going to land with your audience, right? And ultimately drive the behavior or the expected outcome that you're looking to do. And so I just feel so strongly about that. And I think to your point, a lot of people are self-interested. They have a certain mindset going in. And when you flip that switch and you put yourself in your audience's shoes and you recalibrate your content accordingly, it can be exponentially more powerful. Definitely. Yeah. It's a challenge for everyone we work with, including some of our most kind of aggressive clients. It's just how much control are you really trying to affect? 
because it's a distributed system. And I think this is a new thing for marketers in general, right? It's just the context for most of the folks that would consider deploying everyone's social and employee advocacy program. The closest they've kind of gotten to is, you know, a brand social effort, right? Their company handles, their company pages, which like all brand marketing is a one-to-many thing. And when you've got a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand plus people that you're now saying, okay, here's some tools, let's go and do these things. You can only control that so much before you start to introduce friction that ultimately kind of limits adoption, retention, the ultimate ROI that you're able to generate. So it's a push and a pull for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we're giving employees these tools for them to activate their influencer status, right? Out there (laughs) in the digital world. Obviously, there are goals tied behind that recruiting, sales. How does that translate, though, to kind of what's in it for the employee? You mentioned a couple of times we're all self-interested. Talk a bit about the benefits and how this plays into employee retention, the employee experience, culture building. I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I think for us and for our business, we view all of the internal benefits as secondary benefits, you know, at best. For us, if a company is going to use everyone's social Really, the primary reason, if, if they could only pick one, it would be to promote their message, their content, activate their people's influencers on an external basis. Now, our view has always been that in order to get everything that we want on an external basis, right, like all of our people, as, as many of our people as we can being activated, sharing really great content, authentic messages, growing their networks, driving engagement, all the things that as an organization we want, that it has to have some level of momentum on an internal basis, right? I mean, fundamentally, like people sharing stuff on an external basis is dependent upon them using our product. And so they have to have reasons to come back on a frequent basis and consume and share and engage and those sorts of things. So I think as we think about the value to the individual, as I said, I think for any professional, and and I wouldn't limit this to the B2B world, I think for us, B2B has really just been kind of our historical focus, which is kind of an odd thing when you think about the fact that the B2B world has like zero brand affiliation. How do people feel (laughs) about Nike versus HP, right? And yet HP has more activated employees Mm -hmm. sharing on a personal level than perhaps very, very well-known consumer brands. I think there's going to be a shift in the next few years and, and we're starting to work with some very large consumer brands. But Kind of the point being is that as an employee, like for me to be successful for me, I mean, just talking about me personally, how successful I'm going to be in my current role, the opportunities that I'm going to create for myself for the future are really dependent upon who I'm connected to and the quality of the relationship that I have with those people. And certainly connections and relationship can still be fostered in person, but we're a remote organization. I think, you know, refined as I understand it is, you know, at least largely remote. And you work with us, we may never meet in person. So our relationship is digital or in that regard. And so the nice thing about our platform and our company's use of it is, in essence, they're investing in helping their employees to establish their professional profile, to have content that matches their own interests, their own role, to engage their network, give them tools to actually proactively grow their network. And then none of us are going to work for the same company over our entire career, at least a very tiny percentage. 
And when we go on to do that next thing, we take all that with us, mm-hmm. right? It is not, this is my network, just as it's your network. It's not everyone's socials network. It's not Refine Labs network. You take that as you go and it becomes, you know, an asset, not only to you, but to whatever company or organization that you're bringing it to. And so that's why, again, for us, we tell our clients, it's like, you know, make no mistake. This starts with the individual. We have to provide overwhelming value to them. And if we do, they're going to come back. They're going to do everything you want them to do. And they're going to do it beyond your expectations from a quality and a quantity standpoint. One of my favorite people right now that I follow is Christopher Lockhead. And he talks a lot about the distinction between native analogs and native digitals. Native digitals are typically people that are under 35, which are becoming the majority part of the workforce. And they operate and exist in a digital first world, right? Supplemented by in-person interactions where the opposite is true for the native analog. And I think what businesses and company leaders need to be recognizing is how can you develop and deploy tools and rethink the workplace, right, to cater to the native digital audience. And so the everyone social platform just fits really right into that, right? And I'm sure, depending upon the company, you know, and the workforce and the demographics of it, it's probably like a fairly easy implementation. Like these are concepts and tools and things that these native digitals are already doing in their personal lives, right? Yeah. And then they're they're given a platform and an opportunity to do it. When you just zoom out a little bit and look at where the world is going, I think tools like this are going to become just as important as your G Suite and Zoom, right? It's like, oh, you don't have this? How can you not be considering how you're enabling your team to build that reputation, right, in the digital world? I don't know what your take on that is. That's our view, Megan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Imagine showing up at a company, you know, Refine and Jessica, you're telling a new employee like, oh, you have a Gmail address? Yeah, just use that, right? Uh, oh, you already have a computer? Just, you know, you can use that and, and uh, you can text. Them. Yeah. So we give people things to enable them to be at, even at a basic level, regardless of your role, to have you be a part of this organization, to enable you to kind of reach a, a table stakes level of effectiveness. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm guessing you two are both a bit younger than me. I will say my own kind of experience, I feel like I kind of started life, you know, in analog world. Me too. Many I'm above the 35 co- mark. <laughs> okay, well, me too. So <laughs> my father was an attorney and I got to kind of see that world, just the relationship to very in-person, very kind of geo-specific, etc. And then software and startup has really always been kind of my interest. And so starting to kind of see these things and seeing the relationships that people developed and took super seriously. And for a time, it shocked me. Before I ended up at Reddit, I had some very good friends there and they were all in on online community. And to me, it was at the time kind of a question of like, well, is this real or not? Right? Because like, I know the relationships that I have with people on an in-person basis And, you know, fast forward to today, I think perhaps in part because of the pandemic and us like literally not being able to, you know, interact or connect with each other. I think the really cool thing is it's just all blended together, you know, Mm -hmm. be it friends, be it professional connections, be it new acquaintances. It's no longer seen as, I, I would even argue by many of the analog crowd as being taboo to kind of create these connections and have these interactions on a digital basis. Maybe there's a preference to get in person at some point is kind of one of the 
one of the inter- interactions along kind of the timeline. But I think we're in a very, very different place today than we were even a couple of years ago. A friend of ours, Mary Shea, who's a VP of innovation over at Outreach, she's talked a lot about the effect of digital transformation on the sales org. And one of her points is like, yeah, there's not only an increasing amount of young people within all of these companies, but they're also making the purchase decisions or at mm. least are highly influential. And of course, that's only going to increase over time. So everything you're saying, Megan, is just we're heading in that direction. It's never going to go back to the way we think it was, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. Is there a specific platform that you advise people to lean into? Like, is it LinkedIn specific or is like, we have the TikTok craze. I have not joined it, but I've heard about it and I'm on there, but I don't have anything posted. <laughs> I just want to watch other yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're called a lurker, Jessica. I know. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn is huge, you yeah. know, for sure. And uh, over two thirds of our clients, that's their primary platform. You look at the sharing activity from their people. Many of our clients leave it up to the users in terms of like, you know, okay, here's some employer branding content or here's a job post or a... we love UGC too. I think we're very early days for that. And again, it kind of gets back to the company trust side is like, let your people create, right? Anyways, that was a whole nother learning from Reddit is like, you give your people the tools. That's what creates the conditions yeah. for viral stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, vast majority of content we see shared to LinkedIn. That being said, I think we're all really encouraged, no matter what happens with Elon and Twitter, I think Twitter's moving in a great direction. <laughs> yeah. They are really out front in terms of returning to kind of a place of openness with their platform, with data accessibility, prioritizing user privacy and preferences and those sorts of things. But as a partner of Twitter's and LinkedIn's for more than 10 years now, love where they're heading. I think professional use of Twitter is only going to increase in the coming years. As we all know, it's a great place to have conversations, to engage with people. It's not quite as transactional as LinkedIn. And then because we work with giant global organizations, uh, I think we have users in somewhere over 80 countries right now. Obviously, geo-specific concerns, like Mm -hmm. we have a very large client who is recruiting in the Asia-Pacific region. Mm -hmm. And so... For them, Weibo and WeChat are their primary platforms because LinkedIn doesn't exist in China. So yeah. yeah, I think we're seeing kind of a diversification. The social landscape will always change, right? Like TikTok is obviously still massive, but it's interesting to think that like LinkedIn from a pure professional network standpoint is kind of the only game in town. I don't think that that's going to last forever, be it Twitter or some new entrant. And diversification is great because... It's all about connecting with the person where they want to be connected with mm-hmm. and you know how, how they want to be connected with. And, and that's the beautiful thing about social. It's not like trying to cold call someone, right? I've got probably 20 different ways to reach you, Jessica, that aren't going to annoy the hell out of you. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. And I'm thinking about this from like a a DNI perspective, is that something that you guys are leaning into and how does that factor into what you're doing? To me, that's kind of an open question, I think, and, and something for us and, and our clients to figure out. I think I'll say many of our clients actually require us and other vendors that they work with to report on an annual basis in terms of our own DNI initiatives and you know how we're making progress on that. And so I, I see that mostly as like, these are big companies that have made this a very top priority, not only for themselves, but they want to know who they're working with and is their shared values and whatnot. I guess I just come back to the fact that 
when you centralize power and authority, be it for marketing or comms, ultimately it's one person at that organization who's kind of making the decision as it relates to the message, the tone, the content, the, you know, what are they conveying in terms of our company, our values, et cetera. And just awesome things happen when you start to kind of turn things over to people in the company. I mean, you just, it's, I, I can't, stress it enough, you know, when you trust people and you give them tools to create really, really interesting things are going to happen. But as a marketer or a leader, we couldn't get a few people in the room and come to the same conclusion ourselves, right? It just opens new avenues. And it's accountability. That's what I would say. Like if you're a company and you're Mm going to allow people just like Refine Labs, you allow people to speak. If you're not doing what you said you're doing, like it's going to come out. So it it also is an accountability for leadership, which I think is a great thing. For sure. Definitely. Absolutely. I know we're coming to a close, but I wanted to close out with one final question for you, Cameron. And we're all in agreement that this is important, right? And prioritizing this is good, not only for your business, but for your customers, for your team, right? It's a win-win-win. How would you sum up what is at stake for companies that are unwilling to adapt these types of initiatives and to enable their teams? Yeah. I mean, I think as with most things, you know, if we kind of think about it as like an adoption curve, if you're familiar with crossing the chasm um, mm-hmm. and these various kind of stages of super early adopters, getting into early majority, et cetera, that represents a lot of what organizations just do in general. But, you know, what is the state of kind of maturity or evolution for market, how they approach marketing, how they approach sales, how they approach recruiting, et cetera. My view is that we're reaching kind of the end of the very early adopter kind of visionary phase of activating employees as influencers, you know, in particular, just with employer branding and recruiting. So I think it was something that visionary folks kind of took a chance on and they were like, wow, this is a major feather in our cap and advantage for our organization. I think we're getting into a phase where it's going to be increasingly recognized as table stakes. Again, it's like, Imagine having a team of recruiters or a team of salespeople where you're saying, well, you can't have X, Y, or Z tools, right? You're just inherently handicapping your people. And I think, again, I just, I look at our client base and, and although we have some, some very, like Jessica, your earlier comment, we have this one client, he's been a CMO of four companies. He's a CEO at his current company. He's kind of a Midas touch guy. Like every one of these companies has achieved some outcome, gone public and acquired. And he's taken us to every single one of those companies. And this is over a, a six plus year time frame. And, and his his statement was, you know, this is my secret weapon. And I think for him, you know, he was on the absolute kind of leading edge in terms of being a, a visionary with this. But other clients of ours are trillion dollar plus organizations. If they're doing this, Others who they compete with need to be paying attention and starting to think about this. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Cameron. This was a really awesome conversation. For all of our listeners, go ahead and check out everyonesocial.com to learn more about what Cameron is up to and all the good work that they're doing. We could probably go on and on about this topic, but I will wrap us up with my... Is it famous yet? Maybe it's, it's not famous, famous yet. But let's, famous. Let's, let's, let's call it famous. <laughs> Don't just build a company, build a talent destination. Thanks again, Cameron. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Jessica. Side effects of listening to this podcast include, but are not limited to... 
increased employee engagement, retention of high potential employees, and becoming a badass in the people, talent, or operations space. If you're looking for a new role, Refine Labs would love to hear from you. Go to refinelabs.com careers for more insight into amazing opportunities at our fully distributed workforce.